Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God, and we're going to continue looking at qualifications for ministry, part three. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, episode 19. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. I decided to uh, take advantage of a beautiful morning here in East Tennessee and record uh, these episodes on my porch. So if you hear the birds chirping, uh, that is what that is in the background. But we're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God. We've been looking at the last few episodes, qualifications uh, for the ministry. Uh, we've been studying from 1 Timothy chapter number 3, where Paul uh, gives the qualifications for an overseer. So we're going to continue uh, with that. We're going to begin looking at verse number 4 through 7. So let's read these together, 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 7. Paul, speaking of the overseer, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So, we're continuing to look at these qualifications for the man of God. Uh, and what we're noticing is that God's call for ministry is uh, looking at the heart of a man. It is the character, the integrity, his spiritual growth, his spiritual health, uh, and his relationships, uh, not just uh, as a minister, but with others. And, and this is really going to uh, come close to home uh, as we look at these few verses in First Timothy chapter number 3. Uh, and, and God's call is not just about ministry and preaching. God is just as concerned about our spiritual condition uh, as he is with, ours, with us leading others' spiritual lives in their condition. Uh, Paul is communicating to Timothy that overseers were to be growing in holiness and sanctification. The Spirit of God is still working on you as a man of God. Uh, ministers are to be pursuing uh, spiritual maturity, just as we are trying to see spiritual maturity in others. Uh, maybe it's uh, a youth group, a Sunday school class, a congregation, or an organization. We want to see spiritual maturity. God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity as well. So let's look at these uh, together. Let's look at number one here uh, in verse number four. The overseer must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Now, we are going to see, and we have been seeing, uh, God is interested in our home life, our private life. How do we deal with others when we're not in the spotlight, that we're not ministering in public? Ministry isn't done in a vacuum, brothers. Ministry begins in our homes. And some of you might be listening and are uh, not married and don't have kids yet. 
this will apply to you at some point, but it also applies to you now and how you interact in your home where you are privately. Whether you're at home with your parents, whether you're, with, you're living with some friends, uh, you need to, to know how you're, you're living this before others. And so though we might be talking specifically to uh, our married uh, ministers or those with uh, children or families, we must understand that God is, it's the principle that God is looking for how we lead when we're not in public. And so God is um, concerned with our, our spiritual well-being just as he is the people that we serve. Uh, soul work begins in the man of God and overflows into the people that he serves. So let's look at Romans 2, 17 through 24, Paul writes, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge of truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Look at that, verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So now we're looking at this in the context that Paul is uh, building his uh, foundation on uh, all our sinners and that he is speaking specifically to the Jews. And so the issue was that they claimed spiritual inheritance because they were Jews by nationality, um, but they did not practice what they preached. And so he was trying to let them know that though you think I'm right in first uh, the first chapter here that my in my in my opening that uh, Gentiles are sinners um, and they need they need God. Uh, I'm coming to you now and telling you that you are sinners and you need God because uh, your hypocrisy. Uh, is is a is is a, is a sin because what you say is not being lived out. So specifically to us as ministers, we have to understand that we might preach to others in a congregation, a classroom, uh, wherever it might be, where we do ministry. It has to come home with us. We have to have the first fruits of our ministry in our homes. Our ministry is going to be first in our lifestyle, and it's going to be in our lifestyle where others may not see us all the time. You're not going to be preaching 24 hours a day in a pulpit somewhere. You, you know, the majority of your time is going to be spent with your wife, with your children, with your family, and they are going to be the ones who are going to know whether or not you are living what you preach. Um, and so this is what Paul is talking about. Our families, our ministry must come home with us. You're not a preacher just when you preach. You're not just a pastor when you're at the church. You're not just a missionary when you're on the field. Uh, you're not just an evangelist when you're out of the church somewhere. You are a minister. You are a man of God. You are an overseer. 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. It's nonstop. You don't turn it off. When I, when I go home, I'm not a preacher. You are a preacher. Now, you may not be doing the 
the you know the actual work of a preacher. Like you may not need a pulpit in your home. You may not have a pulpit and a microphone in your house. Uh, but what you live before your family, that is the pulpit and that is the microphone. And it is going to be amplified in your home. Because what you say in the pulpit is going to be examined when you get home. Do you actually do what you say to others? And that's what Paul is saying here in, in, in Romans 2. He says, you've been telling people don't steal, but you steal. Uh, you're telling people not to, you know, to, to uh, commit idolatry, but you're, you're, you're doing that yourself. And so you, you can't get up and preach and then go home and undo it all. I've seen too many good men and too many good families ruined uh, and destroyed and divided because the man of God will preach one thing uh, in the pulpit, in the church, in the classroom, and then go home and do the exact opposite. Or what he expects of his congregation, he doesn't expect of his family. Um, and, and so they, they see the hypocrisy or they see the, the double standard. They see uh, that, that dad, that, that husband doesn't really believe what he's preaching. And brothers, we, you better have this down in your heart. And it's not just for the people that you preach to. Uh, this better be for your family because this is what um, you need for your life. And your, your, your first responsibility is the saving of your home. It is the first, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Uh, I preach to people. I preach to a church. I preach to a classroom. Uh, but if you don't want to live it, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Uh, I've seen too many families hurt because the minister preaches one thing uh, and then come home, come you know, comes home and, and does the exact opposite. Um, this can't be. This can't be. You must learn how to manage your household well. You know, there's uh, there's kind of this. Uh, unspoken etiquette or code that uh, you know if someone calls uh, gets a call to preach the pastor will call that man's pastor to come you know hey do you what do you think about this uh, brother coming to preach for me you know that's a good uh, and a great uh, principle to do but I'm 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 starting to think that we might need to start calling some wives um, what do you what's your husband do at home before he comes to preach at my church how's he live this in your home that sounds kind of scary doesn't it? Because your wife's going to know whether or not you're a praying man, whether you're a man of study, whether you're a man of holiness, whether you're a man of godliness. She's going to know if you're managing your household well. You know, people in your church may not have a clue how you manage your household because they're never there. Uh, and so you need to manage your household well uh, because they're going to see the first fruits. Your, your church is going to see the fruits of your, of your home. Uh, you can only fake that for so long. So you have to manage your household well. Uh, you're not doing this in a vacuum. You need to uh, live this at home. Now, let me say this as well. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen m men expect way uh, too much from their children and from their wives. They expect more from them than they do the church. And so they have very little grace at home, very little mercy at home. And they give much mercy and much grace to their uh, the people that they serve and they give very little to their home. Uh, it can't, it's got to be the same. It's got to have balance in your home, in your church. Uh, because, you know, you don't want to, you're not putting an undue expectation on your children. Uh, we want our children to be saved. We want our wives to be saved. We want our families to be saved. Uh, and we know we've seen great preachers, great pastors, great men, men of God um, who, who've done, who've, been balanced in the home and in the church 
and see children backslide. It happens, uh, but we it must not be because we've not lived it before them. It must it must not be that we've set a double standard somewhere. We must manage our own household well with all dignity. Uh, we must manage. The word manage means to preside, have authority over. You're the priest of your home. You're the prophet in the home. Uh, you set you set the tone in your in your household. You set the tone in your marriage. That these are the things that we're going to do. These are the principles we're going to live by from God's word. Uh, here's here's how we're going to lead. Here's how we're going to manage this this family together. And this is. Um, you do this together when you're married, when you have children, you, you manage together. And let me just pause and put a bookmark here and come back. Brothers, you need to make sure that you are marrying the right person. To my single brethren who are listening, you need to pray and fast and get wise counsel about who you are uh, intending on marrying. Because if they cannot be a part of if they're not going to be, you know, understand ministry, and if they're not going to love people, and they're not going to love serving people, and if they're not going to love being spent for the ministry, you need to end it before you get married. Because I've seen a lot of great men, I've seen a lot of good ladies uh, marry the wrong, the wrong uh, person and ruin their ministries. Uh, it's very important. When I when I started dating my wife Ashley, and I prayed and I fasted, uh, and and, and I got counsel because I wanted to make sure I had the I, I was doing the right thing and um, but this is so important it's so important uh, so I, I'm gonna come back to, to what I was talking about but that was just I wanted to add that to you you must manage it you must manage your household well uh, and then he says the word well in the Greek is kalos it's a, and it's a rich word that could also mean excellent you got you've got to manage it excellently that you're not just trying to grow a church. You're not just trying to, to, to see a church grow uh, spiritually and numerically. You're not just trying to plant mission works and uh, send out ministries. Man, we've we got to have our family saved. I, I, you know, my, my first responsibility is to see my little girl saved. And, I, and it's a, it is a full-time job. It is a full-time job to, to, to lead your family. And I hope you can feel my burden today, and you can feel the burden of what Paul is saying. It's so important, uh, and I think it's it's neglected. It's 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 neglected way too much in our apostolic movement uh, that we've we've put so much emphasis on great preachers and so much emphasis on great sermons. And I love preaching and I love sermons, but we need our family saved. We need some balance in our homes. We need some balance uh, in our marriages. We need some balance in our kids. Uh, so let's let's manage our household well. This is a qualification. If you can't do it, how can you manage God's house? If you can't lead your wife, how are you going to lead others? If you can't lead your kids, how are you going to lead a congregation? Uh, and so it begins there. Uh, it begins there. Uh, and I think and to all our all of our churches, to all of our pastors who are s- searching out ministries uh, to add to your church, look at the home first. Don't just look at the sermons. Don't just look at, at the results in, in, in the pews. Look at the home. Look at the spiritual vitality in the home. Uh, and take a close look at it. Let's get a microscope out and discern what's going on in the home. And be honest, ask those, those questions. Uh, how's the spiritual life in the home? Let's talk to the wives. Let's talk to the kids. It's very important. We've, we've, we've really got to put an emphasis on this, that these are qualifications uh, for the ministry. And so if we're going to manage our own household well, uh, with all dignity. Look at this. He says, 
keeping your children submissive. Uh, so we have to not only just manage well, we have to parent well. Um, this is not placing an unrealistic uh, expectation on children. Uh, there have been many ministers whose children went wayward. I understand that. We've, we've all seen that. Uh, this is not an unrealistic expectation that a man of God's children become spiritual rock stars and superstars. However, this does place a realistic expectation on our leadership as parents. Our children's de demise shouldn't uh, be due to our lack of spiritual leadership. Well, we are to train our children in the faith. We should be the loving example that our Heavenly Father is. They, they, if we're going to preach about God as our Heavenly Father, then they need to see that exemplified in our parenting. Um, and I've seen some ministers place undue expectation on their children as well. They are harder on their children than they are on the church. Uh, this can't be. Uh, they, they place harsh expectations that even God wouldn't expect of them. Um, and so that we, we must, with all dignity, uh, lead our children. We must parent well. We must uh, teach them as we are teaching others. I'm trying to teach my little girl uh, the, the stories of the Bible, just like we did, we did in Sunday school. Uh, I'm trying to teach my little girl to pray before we go to bed. Uh, and there's nothing, I'm telling you, there's nothing like driving down the road and hearing my little girl sing the songs that we sing from church. Uh, and, and to hear her, she, is, she knows uh, what's going on, and she's, she's, she's observing it. And she's so impressionable. And so, brothers, we have a responsibility to live this before them. We can't undo it with hypocrisy, telling others to do something and then not doing it ourselves and not, not expecting it of our children as well. But not also on the other end, we can't, we can't put undue, un unrealistic expectations on our children as well. So let's manage our households well. Let's manage our children well. And he says this in uh, uh, verse 6, He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Uh, we, you can't be recently converted. You know, uh, and we see this happen. People will be saved. Uh, they'll get the Holy Ghost. They'll get baptized. And immediately they feel a call to preach. Uh, or they feel a call to lead. And we have to, as leaders, discern how to, and with wisdom, place people in ministry in the church. But they shouldn't be recently converted. Let's get them in some discipleship classes. Let's train. Let's teach. Give them in a Bible study. Continue Bible studies if they, if they were taught that before. Uh, but find a way that to understand that you can't be recently converted and, and become a preacher or become a pastor. Um, I'm familiar with a church. Uh, a man was had been recently converted. I'm talking months, and uh, the pastor put him on the deacon board, the elder board. And uh, in the person I was familiar with with the church called me, and I said they need to go read First Timothy chapter number three. Uh, this is this is trouble. <laughs> and what it was is that they had a uh, an elder die, and this man was a good man. Uh, but he had just got the Holy Ghost, like, within months, and they put him on the elder board. It was an absolute disaster. It was an absolute disaster for them. Um, and because what happened is they become puffed up. People who are given responsibility too early become puffed up. They get too much pride. They feel like they have, they're exercising authority that they don't have. And so someone who has been recently converted, and you put them in a place of, uh, of leadership 
or they're overseeing someone. Man, they don't know what that. They don't know what they're doing. They, you're you're setting them up for failure. You're setting them up for for trouble, and your church in trouble, your Sunday school, whatever wherever you might be placing them. Uh, and so, what's the timeline, Pastor? Well, I don't know what the timeline is, but you need to make sure that they're not been recently converted. If they got the Holy Ghost yesterday. They're probably not ready to preach yet. Um, if they got the Holy Ghost, you know, six months ago, you're probably not ready to to be placed in on the deacon board. Uh, so, he, you know, whatever the timeline is, there, there needs to be some spiritual experience and some spiritual history and some spiritual time um, invested. Not a recent convert, because you know. If they, if what if they don't know the doctrine well, and they're trying to teach others, you're setting them up for failure, and you could possibly destroy someone else's faith. Not only are you going to destroy their their faith, but others' faith as well. Um, so you have to have some wisdom, uh, have some training. You know, put them in some discipleship courses. You get them some books to read. Um, put them put them through uh, some type of. Uh, of regiment where you can you're, you're you're investing in them as well, and I know it's not all done in the classroom. That's not what I'm trying to say, but slowly put them in a place of leadership. You know, everybody can open a door and greet somebody, be an usher. Uh, everybody you know could can you know you know sing in a choir, uh, but I'm not sure we need to put people right in speaking and preaching and elder boards if they just receive the Holy Ghost. I had someone tell me this one time. Um, and it's been it's right when I started pastoring. Um, Pastor Aaron Bounds told me this. He said the people, uh, the, uh, he said this uh, of new converts. He says the higher they jump, <laughs> the harder they fall. Uh, I've seen a lot of converts, new converts. Man, they get excited. I mean, they shout, they run. They're, I mean, they're on the front row. Uh, and the higher they jump, the harder they fall. Uh, I've seen have such great enthusiasm. And one little thing hurts them, and they're and they're gone. And uh, it's been true. And so you don't want to put a recent convert in a place of leadership. So please uh, make note of that as well. We got to manage our households well, parent well, and not being a recent uh, convert, or you're going to become conceited or puffed up, uh, and, and you're going to fall into a snare of the devil. And we don't want that. We don't want to set up our people to fail. Uh, look at verse seven. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Our ministries don't just touch our families and our children and our churches; they also reach outsiders. Uh, the word used for reputation here in the Greek means test, testimony. Excuse me. Uh, how can a man in his church be respected by the community? Um, you have to live it before them. Uh, don't just be bold in the pulpit. Be bold in the community. Uh, don't be just don't be courageous in the pulpit. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna say today. And then you go to the restaurant and you cower down when when somebody comes up against uh, what you believe. Uh, you know you're you're a lion in the pulpit, but you're a coward in your neighborhood. Uh, you have to be respected in in your in your community. I think one of the greatest stories that I've ever heard, and I've and I've of speaking of this, um, is the story that uh, Pastor Kenneth Carpenter tells um, about Bishop McCool. Um, Pastor Carpenter was um, just a little boy, and he was in the car with his father, and his father uh, was not uh, was not in church, but they were in the parking lot 
of a hardware store, and Bishop McCool uh, was had stopped by their car, seen them, and was talking to them. And uh, Bishop McCool had baptized um, Pastor Carpenter's mother, and so there was some connection there. Well, Bishop McCool walked away, went into the hardware store, and uh, Pastor Carpenter's father rolled up the window and Brother Carpenter just being a little boy his father looked at him and said that is a good man and that stuck with Brother Carpenter as a little boy uh, and he went on to be enrolled in uh, Apostolic Christian School here in Knoxville and graduated got his call to preach evangelized and they've got a powerhouse church that has uh, influenced the Apostolic Movement in Maryville just about 30 minutes from here but it all began because Bishop McCool had a good reputation with an unsaved man's family. Uh, and, and it must be spoken of us as well, uh, that we're not just known for what we believe, but how we live. We have to have a good reputation. Let me say this. If you're going to go into a restaurant and you're going to tell people that you're a preacher, um, tip well, treat the waitress and the waiter well. Uh, if you're going to go into a coffee shop, uh, talk kindly to the people that are there in in the uh, wherever you in the stores they know you and you need to live it out before them i'm not saying you got to go in there talking in tongues uh when you buy uh you know an oil filter uh, but it, it would be good if you if you just gave them a smile uh and you maybe you know talk kindly to them you know they get berated by people all the day long and it shouldn't be coming from holy ghost filled people uh, we need to have, uh, if you're going to be a preacher, you need to be a preacher all the time. I'm, I'm just a preacher, bless God, when I'm at church. No, you're a preacher when you go and get your oil changed too, and when you're in the restaurant. And let me just say this, just because you're a preacher doesn't mean uh, that the restaurant's going to get your steak right every time, uh, and you got to send it back so you can try to get it for free. Come on, brothers, let's not do that. Uh, let's let's be kind. Let's be cordial. Let's, let's act like Christ, uh, whether we're in the pulpit or not in the pulpit. And so basically what this whole section is about is that if you're going to be a preacher, you're a preacher everywhere you go at all, the to at all times. You're going, to, you're going to be a man of God in the home. You're going to be a man of God to your wife. You're going to be a man of God to your children. You're going to be a man of God uh, when you're out in public, when you're not at the church. You, the, the, the calling of God is all the time. You never take this thing off. You never, you're never turning this thing off. You're never, you're never uh, taking that hat off and, and taking up another hat. You're a preacher. You're a pastor. You're an overseer all the time. And we have to live it at all, at all times. Because if we're going to do this, if we're going to be an overseer, we must learn to be overseers in our homes. Let's learn to be an overseer in our community. Let's learn to be overseers in all the parts of our lives where we can affect people with the gospel of Jesus Christ so we can be qualified to be men of God. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information and episodes, go to nswhitley.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cut It Straight podcast on iTunes. Go to Facebook and search for N.S. Whitley and like and share my page. And follow me on Twitter at N.S. Whitley.